0: Both pastors being gone I get two services today it's been good Amen. it's been a good uh, it's a good discipline for me to have uh, have, have some work uh, laid out before me because when I do then it helps me to stay focused where I need to be the Lord's really blessed in uh, in these past weeks and given me opportunity to preach and doing some uh, some more hardcore study because it's important it's all about the souls of men uh whether, we're, whether they're here at Plaque Road or they're in Lebanon or if they're in FCC, the jail over here or wherever uh, across the world, all the, the souls of the needs of the souls of men is uh, universal. They need Christ, and uh, it's up to us to be able to get that message out to them. We need to go to them. Certainly, very very few uh, ever come truly seeking the Lord. But uh, turning your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 28. <clears throat> Sometimes uh, the Proverbs are called a sermon in a sentence because most of them are, sharp, are short and they're terse and they're, they're uh, directed onto just one main thought. And this, certain, this one certainly is one of those. You've probably heard it taught and preached many times because it is a familiar verse. I've used it many, many times. Preaching in a jail, doing uh, one on one Bible studies, counseling, and so on. Uh, The number one need, again, universally in this world, is is salvation. And people sometimes need to be shown the truth of where they stand before God before then they can make an overture to come to Him in repentance and faith. So, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It's recorded in God's word, the Bible, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Let's go to the Lord again and we'll continue. Wonderful God, uh, we come to you this morning thankful for life. We're thankful for the opportunity to come and assemble freely for the matter of worship. It would be that uh, I and that we could get a glimpse of you on your throne to view your majesty, your holiness, Lord, that we could have a vision for uh, the work that you'd have us to be about in this life. We're thankful that we can have complete confidence in the, the word of God, every, uh, from Genesis to Revelation, we know it's all written by you for us, your, uh, your created beings, your children. I'm going to ask that you'd hold the preacher up in this moment in time as we seek to draw truth from this portion of scripture. In Christ's name I pray. amen. Amen. Mankind's greatest problem is not disease or drugs or alcohol or unemployment or terrorism or even a corrupt government. It's sin. Many people choose to not believe this. Nevertheless, according to God, And the Bible, it is definitely so. The worst thing that could ever befall any human being is to die with unforgiven sin and spend eternity in hell. The Bible says in Psalm 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Sometimes we get the picture of the wicked as being some individual or personage that is bad or done a lot of vicious and horrid crimes. And that may be very well so, but the word actually means simply something that's criminal, something that's hostile to God, a person that's guilty of sin against God or man. It's talking about those that are morally, spiritually corrupt. Those, God says, are wicked in his sight. And it says that those that go out of this life with (coughs) with that burden of their sin are going to be turned into hell and not even that but even worse is there will be whole nations that have forgot God and they'll also be turned into hell. Now we know that in, in, like where Brother Noah is in the Middle East their Muslimism is in, in uh, you know deep control. Still even in those countries um the, uh, even though God's judgment is upon them, there are souls being saved in Lebanon. There may be souls being saved in, even in wicked places like Iran and Iraq. There may be souls that have been saved as the result of witness of servicemen in Afghanistan, places that, are, that have people, uh, Christians have been able to get and be able to affect the souls of men. And it's important to remember that the seriousness of the judgment that God has upon sin. We like to paint ourselves, you know, if we would paint a picture of ourselves, it would be a pretty nice rosy picture. When I still, you know, up until I was 74, I used to think, you know, that's not very old, you know. But when I turned 75 and I realized that's three quarters of a century, that's pretty old. But, you know, in my mind's eye, I still see myself <laughs> as that 21-year-old, you know, that 18, 20-year-old guy, you know, who's playing football, serving in the services, you know, and able to do just about anything I wanted to do physically. But well, that's not true anymore. Uh, but and that's something that we need to be able to understand, and I'm going to talk to you a little about it at the end of this message. We need to see ourselves really who we are. Not in just in the physical sense, but I'm talking about the spiritual sense. Regarding the matter of salvation and for the lost person and for the matter of service for the saved person. <coughs> Another benchmark verse. <coughs> I like to use this from Psalm 14 verses 1 through 3. The Bible says there, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. God says they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. God says they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Again, one of the things that I've, even from my youth, was I always had an interest in knowing the meaning of words. When I was a kid in school, they, uh, they taught us to read and then they, they taught us how to use a dictionary. And we had an old, big old dictionary at home and I, I, used, I loved to read and if I, if I come on to a word I wanted to know what it meant. And that's what a dictionary is meant to do. You can, it, it can illuminate you to that, that term and so you can understand what that writer was trying to get across to you. For instance, that word abominable means something that's disgusting, something that's filthy, something that's absolutely abhorrent in the eyes of God. And we know that the term filthy, well, that means something that's tainted. In this sense, it means something that's tainted and corrupt morally and spiritually. And so when God looks upon this earth, the lost person, he sees in just those ways. The marvel is, is that God sees you and me... Exactly how we are, not just in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense. He sees that unforgiven sin that's upon the soul and spirit of the lost person. He sees us, and we know that even he sees us as we are, he's willing and offers to each individual the opportunity to repent and believe the gospel. And you know that this matter of sin it corrupts the the human soul but also even from the time of creation all creation was affected when Adam and Eve broke God's law and disobeyed him. In Romans 8.22 it says for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And so God created the heavens and the earth and this earth had perfect, uh, perfect systems operating, hydrological systems, uh, the, the plants and everything reproducing, animals given the uh, ability to reproduce after their own kind and so on but from the time that Adam and Eve sinned it, they died spiritually and, and this whole universe became corrupt, especially this earth God had not programmed in it any natural disasters, storms and floods and so on. But again, and war, wars and famines and disease, earthquakes, natural disasters, all are the result of sin in this world. Man's sin, Adam's sin. We know that the Bible says that in Adam all die. And so... Why is it that, that Russia is attacking the Ukraine right now? Well, it's for, for, it's for power, it's commodities, for whatever, but I'll guarantee you Vladimir Putin is not doing it for any good ends but for his own wicked heart to have, to be able to be seen large in this world and be able to become, you know, somebody amongst the world's rulers. It's people like that that have led our country, the world's countries, into war for century after century after century, for millenniums. And this matter of sin, again, it's very, very, um, well, it's very, very deadly, but it's very, very, uh, uh, it's something that God, when he sees it, he has to deal with it. And so when it says in Isaiah 59 verse 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. I've used this before, just, uh, I think maybe just recently, in one of the messages I preached was that, <coughs> that, that sin separates us from having a relationship with God. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they died spiritually and they needed to be born again. That's the essence of what God did with them when he showed them what they, that the works of their hands, they could not cover their sin, but he showed them that through the death and the shedding blood of an innocent sacrificial victim that sins could be covered or atoned for, and then he told them that, that he himself would come into this world and die and shed his blood to make the payment for their sin. And so, but sin separates us from having a personal relationship with God. And so that there can, be, there can be no fellowship, there can be no relationship except for those that are under the blood of Christ. And here's how it works. This is what I'm talking about. We, The children and babies and so on, they're under a special kind of grace as I view it. But when David lost his 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 son that had just been birthed, he said, "God, you know, he knew this. He I can go to him." He, when he died, David said, "I can go to him. He can't come to me." So his son was in heaven. Every kid, every youth, they are under that grace, and they, until they come to that age of accountability, where God says, "Okay, you have enough cognitive ability to to." To relate to and understand about the revelation that I give to you through creation, that you can that I've been working on your conscience to make you understand about right and wrong. I brought you to the point where, especially if you've heard the word of God taught and preached, that you would begin to see yourself on that mirror as being that filthy, disgusting sinner before God, guilty, dead in your trespasses and sin, and in need of a savior. It's because of the great love of God that he sees us just as we are. He was willing to die for our sins, even though the most wretched individual that walked the face of this earth, the blood of Jesus Christ can, can cleanse him or any person from that yeah. sin, that we not be personally accountable before God. <clears throat> There's going to come a time, the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment that's, something, that's something you need to know and understand, that God's word is absolute. God doesn't deal in gray areas. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> it's lost or saved. It's heaven or hell. There's nothing in between. It's up to the individual when they are in this finite existence to make choices about their eternal destiny. For surely, it's, it's God's way and the only way regarding the matter of salvation I can just say as an aside myself have, I wasn't saved until I was 34 years old I had, I had gone through life I was raised as a Protestant Methodist you know <clears throat> after I was, went into service I never went to darken the door of a church except for funerals and weddings but nevertheless with the little bit of spiritual training I had I, I had, had given me several things number one I believed in God I believed in hell, and I believed that the Bible was God's word, even though I didn't know anything much of it besides uh, Bible stories. Jesus walking on the water, you know, and so like and stuff like that. But as I grew older and older, God wouldn't let me just go my own way. He began the, the times, all the times that I was falling on my face drinking and drugs and lust and from gold, you know, I was saved up on the gold mine back in 82, he didn't let me go my way because he, what he did was, and I, what he's hoping I'm doing on any lost person in here is that the Holy Spirit reproves people of sin, that they are sinners, of righteousness, that there is a standard of righteousness as God has set <laughs> that is his, his standard. He says, be holy as I am holy and of judgment to come. As, as Brother Chris said, 10 out of 10 people on the face of this earth right now are going to die one day and then the Bible says it's time for your judgment. For the lost person, the Bible says that they're condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. For the believer, the, the, the judgment will be asked to for reward. We read about that in 1 first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 6. Well, we <clears throat> need to go on here. We'll look at the first point is that Sin has a severe penalty. Me. I've already alluded to, alluded to Adam and Eve and their their part in the matter of this uh, <clears throat> bringing sin into the world. In Genesis chapter two, verse sixteen and seventeen, it says, "And the Lord God, that's Jehovah Elohim." Commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in that day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die not maybe die or die surely die he put emphasis on there and then I'm sure that God explained to Adam he explained to Eve exactly what that meant they were born in a perfect state but they were given a human the will to make choices just as you and I are. The difference is, is that we no longer have the choice uh, to just be good. They were, they were perfect in the spiritual sense and the physical sense, but when they made the choice to, to d- uh, disobey God and take of that fruit, being tempted by the, by the snake, by, sir- uh, by the devil, uh, they died spiritually, and they need to be go- born again. Because we know Romans 6.23, Brother Chris also brought this verse up. It's a benchmark verse, too. It's one of those verses that rolls off the tongue just like water over a dam. It says, for the wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And like I said, it rolls off the tongue real easy. But the rubber meets the road when you begin to understand that what you have coming for your sin debt is the horrors of hell. And if it wasn't for that, but that way out, that God's gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone, through faith and faith alone, not faith plus works, not faith plus this or faith plus that, through faith and faith alone in Christ's shed blood sacrifice on cross Calvary. I just love Ezekiel chapter 18. It's one of the greatest chapters in the Bible on personal accountability for sin. Pick up your Bible and read it sometime. You'll learn a lot. But there are two verses in there that contain... This very thought, God says, behold, all souls are mine. And remember, by right of creation, now understand this, that establishes God's sovereignty. So he's not just sitting up there on the throne dealing with matters in heaven. No, his authority extends over this whole creation, especially this earth, a special creation. He says, behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine the soul that sinneth, it shall die, meaning it will be separated from him in the spiritual sense. Death in the Bible is pictured about the, 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 at, the at the point of death, the separation, the physical death, the soul and spirit leave the body at the point of uh, physical death. <coughs> the, we're separated as from Isaiah 59 verse 2, our sins separate us from having a a relationship with God and the Bible talks about eternal separation for God as Chris also talked about sin and death and hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire at the time of that final judgment. You don't want to be a part of that one people. You don't want to be a part of that judgment because it'll be forever sealed in that awful place where you're going to pay and pay and pay for those lies, for those times that you stole by the times that you did things wrong against your parents, however old you are, the times that you took God's name in vain, when you had an evil and empty thought, God will hold us accountable. He will hold you accountable because he must. Because he says, be holy as I am holy. And that is the standard that he has set for rightness with him. There is no sinners in hell. It says there are no saved people in, in heaven. It's black and white. And so when it says there in Revelation 21, verse 8, about the fearful, those that hold back, and the unbelieving, those that say no to the things of God, and the abominable, that's bad, and murderers, that's bad, whoremongers, that's bad, sorcerers, idolaters, that's bad, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, eternal separation from God. One unconfessed lie condemns you before God. And the weight of that one sin will carry you straight to the center of the earth, to the fires of hell, if you have not confessed it before God and sought his forgiveness. So man man has many ways of dealing with his sinfulness, <clears throat> Number one, we we tend to deny it or trivial, trivialize it. First John one eight says, though, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in it. Jeremiah seventeen verse nine says, <coughs> but um, uh, oh, just hold up. I got to go back. I forgot. Jeremiah seventeen verse nine. That's one of those that uh, rolls off the tongue, too, except when you get tongue tied. Chris has got it, I'm sure. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That means that last phrase means you don't even know and you don't even understand the depth of the things that you can do because of your depraved human nature. You see, you can't see the future. You do not see the influences that the world and the flesh and the devil will have upon you as you go down life's path. But God does. And he knows those things. And he allows us sometimes to go through things in life that would cause us to see ourselves who we are. We would understand who he is. And we respond to the call to repent and believe. Verse 10 also says, if we say that we have no sin, we make him a liar, because God says, All that have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, if you say that you're not a sinner, you're calling God a liar. That's not a good position to be in before a before a God that's angry with sin every day. And it says his word is not in us. <clears throat> Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Nobody ever got saved by accident. Nobody got saved by a vision or being in a trance or, or whatever, praying a sinner's prayer. It came through repentance and faith in the Word of God and that alone. And then maybe one of the one of the most familiar ones is that when we deal with our sin, we blame somebody else. You know. See, I was the oldest of three, and we're all a year apart. So we were my sister and brother and I—we were all around doing stuff, and we usually got into the same stuff at about it all at the same time. But since I was the oldest, and the two younger ones, what they would do is they was two against one, see, and they'd blame their brother Jim. Jim did it. Jim did it. We didn't do it. We're you know. Well, I, of course I didn't do anything. I'm the, I'm the good guy, yeah. Well, my mom figured that out. She just, if you couldn't get a resolution, just take us all three out and paddle us. And that was good. So she's being to teach me about accountability for lying. So, as I said, we use this example from Adam and Eve. Um, when Jesus came to them in the garden, after they had sinned, he said, and he said, who told thee, what thou hast, that, that thou wast naked. He says, you know, who told you that? Because they, they didn't know before, they didn't have any guilt about being uh, unclothed. He says, ha, and he asked them, hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that, that thou shouldest not eat? And so he asked them a direct question, and what he wanted them to do was to confess their sin what he wanted them to do, what he wants the lost sinner to do is simply to confess their sin before him and seek forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. And the man said, the woman that thou gavest me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. So Adam, the big macho dude, he blames his wife, and then he even says, God, you, you did it, you gave her to me, you know. <laughs> he didn't know. Yeah, he did. He talked to him personally, and he told him and he explained to him exactly what was uh, in that command, to, to not eat of that, that fruit of that tree, lest they surely die. Nothing about repentance there. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? He gives her a chance. He says, "Yeah, he's asking her to own up to what she had done." And the woman said, "The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat." Well, that's true, but it still didn't make. She didn't own up and, and become responsible for what she had done. Um, <clears throat> when you know, it was an interesting thing. You know, God always does that. He always gives the lost sinner an opportunity to repent. You know, when, uh, when Cain killed Abel, let me see here if I can find that. When he, after Cain killed his brother, uh, in verse 6, when he came to Cain, it says, the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? It says Cain was going around, he was angry, he was showing his anger, and why is thy countenance fallen? He was, it, what he had done had affected him emotionally and, and, and physically. And the Lord said unto Cain, uh, he says, if thou doest well, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And, and so what he was saying was that he knew Cain knew what he should do. He knew the the the, the sacrifice that God had asked to do, and Cain chose to do of his own works. And God says, "You you know if you know to do well, you can be saved. Otherwise, sin lieth at your door. You're going to be responsible for your sin." And Cain never did. He was, such, he was so, such a strong-hearted will against God, having believed the lies of Satan, certainly he went through his whole life without God and Christ, wandering around through the world. You don't have to be that way. You don't, If you resist sin, you can't, you can't beat resisting God. You can't win that battle. You simply can't. And then again, from our text, Sometimes we deal with sin, we try to hide or cover it up. The Bible says in Isaiah 29, verse 15, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. Things they say, and their works are in the dark, and they say, Who seeth us? And who knows us? It says in verse 2, For his eyes are upon the ways of man, God's eyes, and he seeth all his goings, there is no darkness, no shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. And God is like this too. You know, I was like this. I remember <clears throat> that, you know, it's, it's like stuff that I had done in the past. You know, well, that's, that's over and done with. And, you know, I was always trying to figure, I was trying to, uh, you know, erase that and forget it. And then I could go on and I'd try to do do good and get on the wagon or do something, but I'd always fall on my face. But God is still holding me accountable for all those sins that I violated up until that moment in time. Because God saw him and he didn't forget him, even though we may have forgot him. God's going to hold us ultimately accountable. And again, Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. This is another benchmark Verse that everybody should know and and remember. The Bible says there, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure that your sin will find you out. You're going to be held accountable for it. God accepts no excuses for the violation of his law. We have all kinds of reasons why we do what we do, but there is no excuse. And, I want to make this point now, so that I don't forget. Um, I've been preaching this and bringing this message about "He that covereth his sin shall not prosper," pointing towards the lost man. But the same thing is true for the saved man. If we, the Bible says, if we know to do good and it doeth it not, God says it is sin. And for for us, when we go presumptuously against God in doing the things that we know we shouldn't do, God's going to hold us accountable for that. And He will. He's going to. the difference is, is that he's going to deal with us uh, as a child, as a child of God. A, a faithful parent deals with the sin in his child's life that they'll come back into obedience. And so sometimes God will slap our hand, he'll give us a slap on the butt, or he might even get more serious because we want, for our own good he wants us to give those things off, leave those things off, Turn to him, seek forgiveness, and then go on serving him. The Bible says very clearly in Romans chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for when thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. So when we point at somebody else that they did this or they did that, more than likely we have done the same things ourselves. And that was the teaching that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 7 where he talked about, you know, get the, get the beam out of your own eye before you go and deal with the speck in somebody else's. So deal with your own sin in your own life before you go talking to somebody else about what's going on in theirs. Um, <clears throat> it's about being real, and it's about uh, knowing who you are. I'm going to share a little illustration with you at the end of the service about that importance of knowing who you are the truth is we cannot establish our own righteousness Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 it says there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not now again it's not that we can't do some good it's that we cannot be good Everything we cannot be holy. Everything that we do, God requires that it would be perfect and in in accordance with His God, with His word and His will. We can't do it. That's what the Ten Commandments were written for. They were to convict people about their need of a Savior. Because no no person could ever look at those and say, "I've done all that." Lie. What the Bible, what the law does is make us guilty. You know, guilt can be a good thing. Well, once you understand we're, we're guilty and we're, and we're responsible for the things that we have done, then we can deal with confessing them and forsaking them. <clears throat> the Bible says, who can, who, who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin? Proverbs 20, verse 9. <clears throat> well, I'll share a little illustration for you. Probably some of you have heard this already because I've used it a few times, but it was a very dramatic thing. And shown about the cleansing that we need of sin. <clears throat> when we were living at Sourdough, my youngest stepson Benjamin, he uh, he was about four years old, and you know he was all boy. He had his tonka trucks, he had his you know, grader, he had his loader, he had all those, and he he'd get have all his stuff out. And up north of us, there was a place Hogan uh, Elias could set up a, a gravel pit and a big rock pit and so on. We've been up through the looking around and wrote, Benjamin saw all those, you know, equipment and stuff in there. So he had his own uh, s- sand pit and he'd be out there, and he'd be digging and working and he'd he'd be out there from morning till noon. And when he'd, he'd be have dirt up in here. He'd be, he'd come in and he'd be black from head to foot except his little his, he had baby fine blonde hair. And his his hair would be the only thing that would be clean. So She'd get called in to to come to lunch and Benjamin would be all, you you know, she'd pick him up, she'd take him into the laundry room, she'd set him down in the laundry tub, strip him, and then she'd wash him all off. And then when he was clean, then he could come and sit down with us. And you see, that's what God wants and he wants us to understand that when we come Confessing our sins, he is faithful in us to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the power, the efficacy of the blood of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, does. The moment in time that we confess him and believe on him, he, he <coughs> cleanses us, our soul, our spirit, with his blood. And those, that sin stain is washed away by the blood of Christ. And with that, that this, uh, here's something to it. It's a little little rabbit trail. Lost people cannot be involved by the Holy Spirit. It can't happen. But what does happen, we know, is that when the individual confesses their sin, God, uh, not by works of righteousness, he's done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit washes us and he, of our soul and spirit, and then he moves in. Remember? Paul said, what, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Okay? For the, for the saved person, you have that earnest from God that he has come in and he's indwelt to you. And it's the Holy Spirit then that works on, their, our, <laughs> on our conscience to make us even more, and to try to fine-tune us into being uh, led by the Spirit of God and his work in our life. Salvation is my... Through repentance and faith and faith alone when Jesus came preaching repentance for salvation um, he didn't come preaching some prosperity gospel he don't say believe on me and I'm going to give you all this stuff he said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand what he was primarily concerned with and only concerned with was the way of salvation he didn't sugarcoat anything. He didn't try to tell people that they were good to go. That's what people want to hear, you know, from religion. They want to say, well, you can do this, you can do that, be baptized, do this, give a little bit, come to church once in a while, and you're good to go. No, God doesn't say that's the way, that that's religion. Satan is not against religion. He's against Christ. Any religion that does not preach The whole truth and nothing but the truth of the gospel message is not anything of God. And this is the book that you're to use for your guide, for your faith, and your practice. Not what something come in a commentary, not what some joker said from the pulpit. If it doesn't line up with this book, you leave it alone. You remember the Brians. when they heard the preaching, the Bible says they searched the scriptures daily, to see if it was so, you do that. If anything that comes from my mouth, from this scripture about scripture, if it isn't, if you don't believe it, go in the book and see. If it isn't, if it isn't true from God, I don't claim to be anything, but I know that this book is holy, and I am not. <clears throat> Salvation recalls, involves recognition of sin. You'll recognize this story very, very well, but again, it it, it refutes anything that has to do with works or religion that is not of Christ. Now listen. Two men went up into the temple to pray. This is of the Pharisee and the publican. One a Pharisee and the other a publican, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Note with himself. He uses God's name, but he didn't really care about God. He says, I... Thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He says, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And so this, this guy, he was as close, He's out in the court uh, outside the, uh, the temple. And I'm sure he was up as close as he could get to the temple. And he stood there in his fine robes and so on. And he mouthed those words himself. To aggrandize himself. Mm-hmm. Look at how great I am. That's the way the Pharisees were. They were pride uh, exemplified. <clears throat> they believed that they were good to go simply by being in Abraham, by being a Jew, and they were justified by their works. They had spent centuries after centuries codifying God's law, watering it down into it was just a matter of do this, do that, and uh, had nothing truly to do with with God or Christ. But then it says of this publican, this tax collector, he stood afar off. He was, a, he was way off into the corner of someplace. And he wasn't going like this. He was going like this. Listen. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. You get it? He confessed his sin and he came seeking forgiveness and God's mercy. And then Jesus said, I tell you that this man, the publican, went down to his house justified in the legal sense. He had been exonerated. His sin debt had been paid. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He was born again in that moment in time. He went from the family of the world, the family of the devil, he's born into God's family. The Bible says that many has received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's the greatest thing that I can claim right now is that I'm a son of God, but my faith in Christ. Wow. <clears throat> he says, For every man, for everyone that exalteth himself, like the Pharisee, shall be abased. That means you're going to be brought down. And he that humbleth himself Shall be exalted, shall be brought up. Well, the picture is for that Pharisee: if he died in his sin, he was brought down to hell. Whereas that publican, he was sealed in his in his eternal destiny, going to heaven. Confession and faith is believing. Romans 10, 9 through ten, 9 through 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It says for or because. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. That exercises his human, his will, the power of his will. The human will is one of the most powerful things in, in this whole existence. It's very you, you can't make somebody believe something. You can't make anybody do anything really, unless you force them. And you can try and try and try, but you're just like that mule or something like that when they when they set their feet, you know. And I've seen it so many times, I've seen it so many times, that it grieves me to the core of my being. I've preached hundreds of times in the jail. And I've seen those guys sitting there, and they're like this, and they're listening, and then they're listening, and then you 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 finish giving the message, and you, you challenge them about the matter. sit back and they cross their arms and that says, I know if they said no. no. Don't be like that. That was the way that publican was. That's the way any person that hears the message and chooses not to believe you're just going to go on in your unbelief. As I said, you can't win the war against God. Jesus said verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, present tense, Everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death unto life. Everybody knows John 3:16, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3:18 says, but, but the individual is condemned already, because they had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so Jesus calls all men, all time, everywhere, to believe on Christ as their Savior. Um, in Acts 20 verse 20 Paul said and I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but I have showed you and have taught from publicly from house to house everywhere he went he didn't have to worry about the, the message that he was preaching it doesn't change he says testifying to testify is to know what you personally know to be true testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks to the to non-Jews, to Gentiles, repentance toward God and faith to our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is the change of mind about sin and self that causes us to turn from the ways of the world and turn to God. (coughs) The end result of an individual refusing to accept responsibility for his sin will land him in hell when he dies and they said a patient who conceals an illness from his doctor cannot expect a cure. Now, or they don't choose not to deal with it. My brother Richard, he's 11 months younger than I am. He was, I was born March 4th, 1948. He was born February 4th, 1949. Grew up together, served in the army, served in Vietnam together but he's lost I've known that for a long time and he's rejected the witness that I've given him and now he has lung cancer. And he said, I don't know if I want to go through chemo or even try because I don't want to ruin the, the time that I have left. Well, Doesn't, he's going to surely die he's going to surely die and go to hell because he feels he's good to go just the way he is it's a lie of the devil to let people believe in the old religion and old things that he told me one time that he had a vision when he was on LSD that God told him says all you got to do is go to the light when you're dying you'll be okay and he believes that He's on LSD. Nothing is real that goes on in your mind when you're under drugs, alcohol. Well, what I'm saying is, don't refuse the call to repent and believe while you have time, while you have the cognitive ability to do it. The Bible says in Romans and Hebrews 11, verse 6: "But without faith, it is impossible to please God." For he is a rewarder of them that cometh to God that he must believe it that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's what Jesus Christ did. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the souls of men. David wrote in Psalm 32 verses uh, four, 4 and on. He said, Blessed or knowing the favor of God. Sometimes blessed or blessing is looked upon as being happy, That you'll see some of the theological uh, definitions, but uh, to be blessed of God is to know the favor of God. Who would not want that? Who would not want God looking over their shoulder each and every day and guiding them or that we'd follow him in the path that he has set for us? Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, David said, my bones waxed through, waxed old through my roaring all the day long. He was under the burden of his sin. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into drought the drought of summer. Selah, that means think about it. He says, then I acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest my iniquity of my sin. Again, Selah, he said, think about it. So, from our text, the Bible says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. You're not going to have, it's not talking about Prosperity in the sense of physical gain. But it's talking about spiritual matters. The person that covers his sin is not going to know heaven. They're not going to know spiritual prosperity, but they're going to experience spiritual death and suffering in the fires of hell. As I said, there was a friend of mine. He used to uh, say you, you need to know who you are. Uh, this friend of mine, I grew up with him. He was one of the smartest guys I ever knew. He could he could do anything with tools and mechanical, physical. He could do anything. When he went to Vietnam, we went into Vietnam together. Went to the Army together. He went to Vietnam about the same time together. He, had, he went through a lot of tough stuff. Uh, it affected him to the point where it uh, debilitated him. But he used to say, he said, Jim, you need to know yourself. And uh, that's something that we need to know and do. John, unfortunately, didn't do that. He was happy the way he was, you know, drinking and carrying on. And the last time I saw him, this guy had been, he was, you know, he's never a big guy, but he was always you know, vibrant and healthy and working hard and there he sat with his hair hanging down, hair, you know, mess and beard and teeth falling out. He made some bad decisions in life. He didn't really know who he was, and I'd talked to him about salvation. We used to talk on the phone for hours. And he went off into eternity. Very likely they said he had a blood aneurysm in his throat and then in a minute in time, he was gone, offered up. And only God knows for sure. There's always a chance that John heard something before in those, in those times between, between I saw him and he died. But the person that's covered in sin, you, know, you can't win that. You're not going to receive benefit. But only those that confess their sin and forsake that sin will have God's mercy and forgiveness. So <clears throat> I'm gonna ask the song leader and the piano pianist to come. We're just gonna have a, a personal invitation. That again I said this is a this is a two-sided message. Certainly the, the emphasis and the import of, of it was as was written by Solomon there in Proverbs was for the lost person, but in application also. If you're a born again child of God and you're not acting in His will, you cannot know prosperity in this life. God is not going to be, <laughs> He's not happy with when we are recalcitrant in the things that He would have us to do and be faithful. So we'll have a hymn and uh, make the choice. Uh, if you're not saved, if God is talking to you in this moment in time, listen. Understand. You can't fence it with God. As I said, there's no gray areas. Either saved or lost. You're either headed to heaven, or you're headed to hell. And you can say no, or maybe, or whatever, or not now. If you say not now, that's the same thing as saying no, because God is willing that none should perish, but that all would come in repentance. Brother Chris.